Well, welcome to the Vine. Welcome back. I'm so glad that you are here today spending Sunday morning with us. We're here to celebrate who God is and to just rest a moment. Rest a moment as we, as we think about God and as we orient our minds and our hearts before we go back into this coming week. So thank you so much for being here. Um, I was looking for something this week at my house, and it was something small, and I didn't know where it was. Have you ever tried to look for something small, and you didn't know where it was? And so um, after I looked at all the obvious places, I, looked, I, ha- I forced myself to walk over by my fridge and open up the drawer by my fridge. And I actually have two drawers by my fridge, and those are the infamous, infamous junk drawers. And I just go ahead and tell myself that we all have those drawers. Um, I have two, and I also have a little counter above those two drawers that uh, tends to get piled up pretty high. And, um, and I was amazed at how messy they were again. I know, silly of me to be amazed, but I was because a few months ago, I got onto this organizing streak and I told Micah, we're going to tackle those drawers. And I took those drawers out and we dumped them on the floor, turned a show on and we started sorting through all those things. And, and I remember that because I discovered that I had quite a few gift cards in said junk drawers. And, and what's funny about those gift cards is a lot of them have little fine, fine print on them that says, uh, please treat this card as cash. <laughs> I had not treated them as cash. And, and as, I, as I thought about this and I looked up some stats online this week, um, I learned that over a billion dollars in gift cards goes unspent in the U.S. every year. One billion dollars every year goes unredeemed in the United States. Another stat that I saw said that the average American has between 100 and 300 dollars of unredeemed gift cards on average. And, and I'm embarrassed to say I was on the higher end of that average when I, because I, I took the time to like look up each one online or to call and, and, and I wrote with big Sharpie, you know, how much was on each card because I'm determined to spend that money um, this year. But I asked, I mean, I was like, I asked myself, how could I have forgotten about these gift cards? I mean, how ridiculous is that, that I've forgotten about these gift cards? And today I want us to talk about an incredible gift that we have been given in Christ that sometimes we forget about or sometimes we ignore or, or just don't think about. We've been in the Gospel of John. We've been looking at the story of Jesus this year. And uh, we've seen, we, we've read about his incarnation when he came to dwell, when Jesus came to dwell among us, Emmanuel, God is with us. And then we read um, the story of Jesus' life, and we saw that he lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and a life of love. And then recently we looked at his death and his resurrection. 
And we saw that in his sacrifice and in his resurrection, that Jesus is for us. Jesus is for us. And so today, we're continuing. We're looking at the story after the resurrection, because the story continues. And last week, Micah spoke on living into resurrection life in a Good Friday world, and Jesus' invitation for us to participate in his work of redemption and his work of healing and bringing new life in our brokenness. And today, we're going to explore how the presence of God goes with us on that journey. And so we're going to begin by looking at the words of Jesus in John 14. In John 14 through 17, John records Jesus' last words before he's crucified. So we're going to look there because Jesus, before he died, made some monumental promises about the future and what would come. So let's begin in John 14, verse 12. And you can follow along on your, your Bible app. You can follow along on the screen, whatever, whatever you'd like there. Jesus says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. So I kind of did like one of those double takes when I, when I read that uh, this week, I'm like, wait a second. Did, did Jesus say we would do greater things than he did on earth? How is that possible? It almost feels a little bit sacrilegious to say that. But th- these are Jesus' words. He says, you will do even greater things than the things that I have done. And let's jump down to verse 15. He continues. If you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and will be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I, live also, because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I will show myself to them. And so Jesus makes this huge promise. He says, when I go, the spirit of truth, he also refers to him as the advocate, will come and live in you. And you can imagine the disciples' confusion at this point. I mean, they're, they're really kind of lost. Here they've been um, walking with Jesus, the, the physical, incarnate Jesus, the, the person who is also God. They've been walking with him. They've been hearing him speak. They've been traveling with him. I mean, he was a real person to them. And Jesus had just said, told them that, that you're going to betray me, that Judas is going to betray me, that Peter is going to deny me, and that I'm going away, and that I'm going to be killed. And, and they're reeling from this information, thinking, what is going on? Like, this is not what we had envisioned. 
disillusioned. And now he's saying to them, oh, but it's, it's good. When I, when I go, I will send the advocate. I will send the Holy Spirit, and he will live in you. And we see here Jesus transitioning or, or trying to get his disciples to transition from walking with the incarnate Jesus and walking with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus in them. And so the disciples are unsure, and they begin to ask questions. And so in verse 22, Judas, uh, specifically not Judas Iscariot, said, But Lord, why? Why do you intend to show yourself to us but not to the world? Why will we be able to see you but others won't? Like what? Explain this. I imagine they're asking, why are you going away? Um, And Jesus answers them. And in his answer, he makes clear that he's not attempting to hide from people. Rather, he's about to reveal himself in a new way. Verse 23, Jesus replies, Anyone who loves me will obey my teachings. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teachings. In these words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So the disciples ask, why? Why are you doing this? You know, what does this look like? And Jesus describes a new way of experiencing him. And he says it's available to anyone who loves Jesus, anyone who loves the Father, and anyone who walks in the ways of Jesus. I find it interesting in verse 23 there. He says, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home in them. Jesus uses the plural there, we. And there Jesus is referring to the triune God, which is, um, we're, we're, some of us are familiar with the term the Trinity. And, and this is a really difficult concept to understand. But the idea that there is one God, one divine and eternal God, who lives in community, So one God, three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And as we read scripture and as we dive into church history, there's a lot that we can understand about the nature of God and the nature of of this relationship. And then there's also this beautiful mystery, this, this idea that we serve a God who is infinite and a God who is limitless and a God who is, cannot be measured. And, and some of this, our human minds just have a hard time understanding. 
but the nature of God, he is one God, one divine and eternal God who lives in community. And so as Jesus is about to leave his disciples, the physical incarnate Jesus is about to leave, he promises that the Father will send the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. You see that, that relationship there taking place. So he promises to send the, the Father will send the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus to live inside the disciples. And Jesus says, we will make our home with them. Again here, he calls the Holy Spirit the advocate. Parakletos in in Greek is the word for advocate. And that, that word means helper. The word means intercessor, someone who supports, someone who stands up for, someone who speaks for. So the Holy Spirit is sent as our advocate. And Jesus specifically says here, the advocate will teach you. The advocate will remind you of the things that I have said. And then I love verse 27. He says, peace I leave with you. Through the Holy Spirit we have peace. And then he clarifies, I don't give like the world gives, like it's, it's the real thing, like peace. I, I think of um, Galatians 5, the fruits of the spirits, which are the results of the spirit living in us. You know, a lot of us had to memorize those as a kid. I wrote them down just in case I forgot. But love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's really hard to, like, recite those um, in front of people without singing the song in your head. If you learn the song as a kid, at least for me, I'm, I'm just like that. So the, through the Spirit, then Jesus promises peace and all these other other things. And then skipping down to John um, 16, verse 5, Jesus reiterates that it is good that he le- he's leaving so that the Spirit can come. He says, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going. Rather, you're filled with grief. The disciples are, are just uh, so sad about this because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus says it's for your good that I go away because you will receive the Holy Spirit. I'm amazed at the, the, just the contrasting views and emotions in this interchange. I mean, imagine with me how the disciples would feel, what they've just heard. They're, they're filled with grief that Jesus is leaving, filled with confusion because they're not sure where he's going. And then Jesus enters into this conversation with excitement. And he says, yeah, but, but you don't understand. It's good that I'm leaving because the Spirit is coming. And, and I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to send you this gift. And we will make our home with you. And, and the Holy Spirit, your advocate, will live in you, will teach you, will lead you, and will bring you peace. 
the the cool thing about uh, being a Christian in the, now, 2,000 years later, is that we can read more of the story. And in Acts, we see the Spirit come with power before his ascension, before Jesus says in Acts 1, 8 to his disciples, this is after his resurrection, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then after his ascension in Acts 2, we read of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, the crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Jumping down to verse 41. And those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I don't know what that day looked like. It's hard for me to imagine what these tongues of fire look like and, and, and how these apostles were speaking in, in tongues, um, it, it, speaking a language, but then everyone else like was hearing different languages and different tongues and what that looked like. I, I don't, it's hard for me to imagine that, but I know that it was powerful and it was meaningful because 3,000 people believed in Jesus because they saw the Holy Spirit working that day. In Acts, if you continue reading in Acts, you it's the story of the apostles and, and what the, the Spirit does through them. And they they heal and they teach, they see visions, they rejoice in hardships, and you see the Spirit leading them through all of this. And so here today, we're, we're here to talk about the Holy Spirit. Can I just pause for a minute and say, I recognize that this is kind of an uncomfortable topic for some of us. Um, depending on our different experiences and backgrounds, um, we approach the Holy Spirit um, with different uh, perspectives and different feelings. Uh, for some of us, um, Maybe we grew up in a tradition that referred to the Spirit as the Holy Ghost. And so then we have this, maybe this picture of Casper. <laughs> Some sort of ghost-like thing. Um, so, so Casper has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Let's just, just clarify that. Um, some of us grew up um, not really talking about the Holy Spirit, um, even if some of us grew up outside of church, really not talking about the Holy Spirit, some of us grew up in church and in churches that didn't talk about the Holy Spirit and didn't really expect to experience the Holy Spirit today. Others of us maybe grew up in churches where the Holy Spirit was equated only to the miraculous and the spectacular outpourings of specific gifts. And while those are, are good and true, it's also an incomplete picture of what the Spirit does. And so it's good to just recognize um, where we come from 
and as we approach this topic, so that can help us um, look at scripture a little more objectively. So today I want to ask us, um, what kind of gift is the Holy Spirit? We, we read that Jesus gives his disciples the Holy Spirit. What kind of gift is this? What does it mean for us in our lives? And I would say for, for both um, the first century disciples and for us today as we seek to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit is an unexpected gift. It is not one that we would typically expect. I mean, if we think about the gift of God living inside of us, and not just one person, but all who believe in Jesus. I think of Jesus' story that we've been looking at, the incarnation of Jesus when Jesus was born. It's called Emmanuel, God with us. And then Jesus' life and his death that showed that Jesus was for us. And now the Holy Spirit, where God is in us. And it's amazing to think about that, that we are the dwelling places of God. The Greek word for, for spirit um, can also mean breath or gentle breeze. And I like the picture or the image of, of God's breath, his life in us. I used to pray in thinking of the spirit. I used to pray, God, please help me to tap into the spirit in my life. Help me to just tap in it because I, I know it's there. And, and I had this vision when I thought of the Spirit as this powerful, endless source of, of water. And it was just right there, just right there at my fingertips. And all I had to do was tap into it, kind of like you turn the faucet on. And, and as I've experienced the Spirit in my life, I can't help but chuckle a little bit at this image to think that the Spirit of God was something that I could control and just turn, on, turn it on, have a little here, and then turn it off, and then turn it on over here and have a little bit here. The Spirit of God, I mean, is God. It's not something that I can control. He's the living, breathing, powerful presence of God. And so uh, I think a more accurate image comes to mind today as I think of the Spirit, that the Spirit is more like a river a wild river that flows wherever it pleases. In John 7, Jesus said this, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Rivers of living water. I grew up in Africa. Some of you guys knew that about me. Some of you didn't. Um, But I grew up in Africa. And in Africa, there's some very stark dry seasons and wet seasons. And I have a picture here of the Okavango Delta. Hopefully I said that right. From Botswana. And that's actually a place that Micah has been to. 
And in the dry season, I mean, everything is just parched. I mean, there's just no water. Animals have to migrate for miles and miles just to get a drink of water. And then the rains come. And when the rains come, it's like this chaotic flood stage. The floods come and they flood the plains and they bring with them nutrients and life and everything turns green. And you never know where the river will be. Like the water just goes, goes wherever it wants to go. And this, I believe, is a beautiful picture of the Holy Spirit, these rivers of living water within us that cannot be controlled or coerced into doing whatever we want it to do, cannot be tamed, so to speak, but rather as we open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit, we just watch what he does. We watch the Spirit bring nourishment in our lives. And yeah, there might be some flood stages that feel a little chaotic or quite chaotic, but the purpose is to bring life and to bring nutrients into our souls. And so I, I love this picture because it helps me take a posture of, of watching for the Spirit and listening for the Spirit and asking the question, so where is the Spirit moving in my life around me, and where do I go with the Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a precious, powerful, and mysterious gift of God. So what do we do with this gift? Will we open the gift, so to speak, or will we just let it, let it sit there? Like, because God is not a God who forces us into things. We have a choice of whether we are available to the Spirit, whether we open ourselves up and are available to God. So will we surrender to the Spirit? Will we allow the Spirit to work in us and through us? Jesus promised that the Spirit would teach us all things, would comfort us, would lead us into his way. There's a scripture in Galatians 5 that I just love. Again, the imagery there. Uh, Verse 25, it says, Since we live by the Spirit, the Spirit gives us life. We live by the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is moving. Will we keep in step with the Spirit? Will we move with the Spirit, alongside the Spirit? That's our question that I want to pose for us today. And, and maybe, like me, you ask, well, where do I start in this? And I think a really, really good place to start is to ask God for help. So God, help us to listen to your spirit. Help us to hear your spirit. Help us to experience your spirit. Help us to identify what is the spirit moving in us. And there are many other practices that that we can explore later on to to foster that um, posture in us. One of the things that I've been trying recently um, is to be silent in the presence of God. And this is kind of a newer thing for me. I've I've spent a lot of time praying, but often in, in my journey, my prayers have been mostly me talking 
to God, which is good. We need to talk to God. But I, I realized really a few months ago that I, I'm called to listen to God as well. And so I, I read a book and you know, read, read, read all this stuff. And so I set a goal. I'm going to, the book said for 20 minutes, 20 minutes a day, just sit in silence before God. I have not made it to five minutes yet, guys. Like, I am working hard on that because my thoughts and my words, they're just, they just come, come out. And so maybe just beginning by asking God, help us to listen. Train us to hear your voice and to experience your spirit because they're, I mean, it's, it's God. There's so many different ways to experience God and to hear God. He will be faithful in answering that. So the, as we close out, I want to move into a time of communion. So I invite Sally and, uh, to come up back up. Um, move into a time of communion. And in communion, we remember what Jesus has done. We remember his sacrifice, his love, loving sacrifice um, on the cross. And we remember his, his resurrection. And we take the bread that represents his body and we dip it into the juice that represents his blood. And we say, thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you that you have called us into your family that you offer forgiveness willingly and freely. And, and today as we take communion, please, yes, thank God for what he's done. But I want, us to, I want to also invite us to remember that the spirit of Christ is alive and present here in our lives. And so it's not just about remembering something that happened 2,000 years ago. But it's also um, remembering that, that God is working today in our lives. So I want to invite us to use this communion time as a time of response to Jesus' gift of the Spirit. To thank God for his continued presence in our lives that is very close and personal in our individual lives and in our lives as a community, as a collective. And to personally invite the Spirit to work in our lives, to speak to us, to speak to our circumstances and to lead us in the way of Jesus in those. And I'm confident because of God's goodness and God's faithfulness as we posture ourselves asking for help, God will be faithful. And, and God will allow us to experience more of him through the Holy Spirit. So let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your love. Lord, we thank you for your sacrifice. God, we thank you for your resurrection power that gives us hope. God, we thank you that you have not left us as orphans, but that you are here and that you are present. And God, we want to take this time as a community to invite you to work in us through your Holy Spirit. 
to invite you to work through us. And God, we recognize that we have to relinquish control in order for you to do that. And so we come before you now and we relinquish control. And we ask for your Holy Spirit to work in us however you see fit. And God, we trust in your goodness, we trust in your love, and we trust in your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. So go ahead and stand, and we're going to sing Holy Spirit one more time. And during that time, any point, if you'd like to just go take communion, you're invited to do so. Amen. As we leave here today, may may we receive this precious gift of the Holy Spirit, the breath of God living inside of us. May we orient our hearts and our minds and our, our activities this week to listening to the Spirit of God. And may we choose to regularly pause to hear and, and to experience the Holy Spirit. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. Have a great day.